Oh, good morning, everyone. It's really good to see you here this morning, and kids, you were amazing. Thank you so much for coming this morning and singing to us and for us. Here at, uh, at Windsor, we have been spending, or we are spending, the Sundays of Advent, the Sundays kind of during December, uh, listening to the lyrics of some of the songs that were sung at the very first Christmas whenever Jesus was born. But before I, I introduce the song that we're going to think about today, I want to talk about opening lines. Because whenever you hear the first line or the first sentence of a particular song, you can sometimes identify the song immediately. So I'm going to illustrate this this morning. I'm going to read you the opening lyrics of a few well-known Christmas songs. And then we're going to see how many people can name the song and or the artist. I think there are six of these, okay? So here is the first line. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. So who's that? Mariah Carey, and what's the song? All I want for Christmas. Brilliant. Right, here's the second one. So this is Christmas, and what have you done? Sorry? Paul McCartney and the song? John Lennon's the right one. Adam, Adam, out. <laughs> yes, it's John Lennon, Happy Xmas War is over. Third one, top the toe and tailbacks. Chris Rea, song title, Driving Home for Christmas, brilliant. Next one, it's Christmas time, there's no need to be afraid. Band-Aid, do they know it's Christmas? Number five, this is a bit slightly trickier one. Hey, Mr. Churchill comes over here to say we're doing splendidly. Jonah Louie, very impressive. Title of the song? Stop the Cavalry. You're brilliant. And here's the last one. The mood is right. The spirit's up. We're here tonight, and that's enough. Adam, this is now your turn to shine. <laughs> Who is it, Adam? <laughs> Just say what you said before. Paul McCartney, brilliant. And the title of the song? Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You see, the thing about that is that song lyrics seem to have this way of embedding themselves in our memories so that whenever we hear the first line, we know the rest of the song, or at least we can identify the song. Well, the opening words of the Christmas song that we're going to look at this morning and it comes from, from Luke's gospel. It definitely deserves to be as well-known and as instantly recognizable as any of those songs. And in fact, what I really hope this morning is that every single person that's in this building today will leave here knowing this first line off by heart, and then as a result, adding the entire song to their Christmas playlist. Last week, if you were here, we listened to Mary's song, or the Magnificat, as it's sometimes called. Today, we're going to hear Zechariah's song, or Benedictus, as it's often called. Last week, a young woman sang. Today, it's an elderly gentleman who sings his heart out. 
But before we listen to the lyrics, and particularly the opening line, let me explain the backstory. Because every song, as I said last week, has got a backstory. What has happened that has prompted this old man to sing? Well, Mary's pregnancy was a miracle. But it wasn't the first miraculous one of the original Christmas. That belonged to her cousin called Elizabeth. And we read in Luke chapter 1 that Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah were, and now I'm just going to quote the lyrics from God's word, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to have a baby. Plus, Elizabeth and Zechariah were very old. Now, how old were they? Well, we don't know. But they were way too old to have kids. But what we read in Luke's gospel is that before the angel Gabriel visited Mary, he also visited Zechariah. And he told Zechariah that his wife, Elizabeth, is going to become pregnant. And she's going to have a baby boy. And they were to call that baby boy John. And that baby boy, John, was going to grow up and he was going to get people ready for God. He was actually going to prepare the way for Jesus. Now, when Zechariah heard all this from the angel, do you know what he did? He questioned it. He questioned it. He didn't believe it. He didn't believe God's messenger. And then, in response to Zechariah questioning this and not believing, the angel Gabriel makes this rather life-altering announcement. Because you did not believe my word, Zechariah, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. And so Zechariah begins an involuntary vow of silence that will last, do you know how long it lasts for? Nine months, where he's not allowed to say a word. Zechariah didn't believe God's word to him. And as a result, he was rendered speechless for 40 weeks. And if nothing else, what this reveals is how important it is that we accept and believe God's word. God, you see, has spoken to every single one of us in this building. God continues to speak to every single person in this building, primarily via his word. And so let me ask you a question this morning. Do you believe God's word to you? Do you believe what God has said to you in his word? Or, or do you struggle to believe it and find it hard to accept? Do you find it difficult to accept this morning that you're loved? That almighty God so loved every single person here, including you guys. Every mom, every dad, every single one person here. 
loved you so much that he gave Jesus. You believe that? Do you believe that what God says in his word about how special, how unique each person is, that you are, and I'm again just quoting God's word, you are, each of you are a work of art. Just say that to yourself this morning. I am a work of art. That's what God says in his word. Do you believe God when he says he's in control of this world? Currently? Future? Or as you look around, you think, sorry, God, I just don't believe that. Do you believe that God is going to come again and judge the living and the dead? Do you believe that? You see, God has said all of those things and more, much, much more. But maybe like Zechariah, you're at a place right now where you're saying, yeah, but how can I know for sure? And if you remember nothing else this morning, please reflect on your response and your reaction to what God has said to all of us in his word. Do you believe God's word to us? Zechariah didn't. He couldn't speak for nine months. Well, back to the back story, and, and we'll get to the song, by the way, in a minute, on the first line. Back to the back story, because let's press fast forward. Let's fast forward nine months later, whenever Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, has that little baby boy. And when he's eight days old, now, I know there are some little baby boys here. So we're not sure if there's any who are eight days old. But when that little baby boy was eight days old, he had to be named. Now, most people would have assumed that mom and dad would name him after dad. That's what people did. But mom says, no, he's going to be called John. And as everybody hears that, it makes no sense whatsoever because no one in that family is called John. And so what they do is they, they turn to Zechariah, to the dad. Now remember, he can't speak. And so they say to him, Zechariah, what are you going to call this little baby boy? And so Zechariah asks for a pen and a bit of paper, or at least the equivalent it actually says in Luke's gospel that he asks for a tablet, but not the kind that we kind of know, okay? <laughs> he asks for a tablet, and he writes down the letters. J-O-H-N. And all of a sudden, Zechariah is able to speak again. His vocal cords are released, and almost immediately that he can speak, he launches into song, and it's one of the greatest Christmas songs ever. It's one of the greatest praise songs ever, ever. and here's the opening line, and I want us all to say it together this morning. I don't know how many people know, if you've already looked it up, that's fair enough, but I don't know how many people know the opening line of Benedictus, of Zechariah's song. One, whoa. Right, so we're all going to learn the opening line of this song together this morning. And here it is. Let's say it together. 
Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. I said that this song is called Benedictus, which is Latin for the first words expressed by Zechariah, meaning praise be or blessed be. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to read the whole song lyric. And what we do at Windsor or as a church, whenever God's word is being read publicly, we often stand. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the public reading of God's word. If you've got a Bible with you and you want to follow it, uh, it's in Luke 1, 68 to 75. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's okay. It's going to appear here on the screen. Andrew, could you flick through those slides for me? It'd be brilliant. So here's the song. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Take a seat. And all I want to do this morning is I'm just going to look at this first line, the opening line to this incredible song, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and has redeemed them. You see, wrapped up in that sentence is what Christmas is all about. That, if you like, is Christmas in a nutshell. Here's why we celebrate Christmas every single December. Here are two, two core reasons why Zechariah sings and why we should keep on singing and add this song to our playlist. Here's the two reasons. God has come to his people. God has redeemed his people. And what I want us to notice is the tense. Again, we, we thought about this last week, but it's written in the past tense. God has come. God has redeemed. Remember, Jesus hasn't even been born yet. But Zechariah is now absolutely sure that his son, John, is going to prepare the way for Jesus, for the Messiah. And so he sings about it as if it's already happened. You see, Zechariah has made this journey from, do you honestly expect me to believe all of this? To being completely convinced. You see, it seems that nine months of silence and silent reflection have had a profound and beneficial impact on Zechariah's life and faith. So let me break this down. God has come. Or in some translations of the Bible, God has visited. You see, Christmas celebrates and remembers the fact that God didn't stay at a distance from us. God didn't just remain above and beyond us, aloof 
removed, uninterested with us or in us? No, God stepped into our world. He literally stepped into our world. The Bible actually says that God became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. You see, the baby Jesus who was born in Bethlehem on that first Christmas is, as we've been thinking already this morning, as we've been singing already this morning, he is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God has become one of us. And that is worth singing about. It's why we started this morning's service by singing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And as a result of the Lord coming, everything changes. Nothing has ever been the same since. And Zechariah got that and he realized that. And so he sang his heart and his lungs out. And he said, praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come. And I know that Christmas has become lots of different things to lots of different people. But right at the center of this season is the really, really big deal that God has come. God has visited. God has become one of us. And he came with a purpose And Zacharias sings about that purpose as he sings on. Praise be. For God has come and God has redeemed his people. You see, if you want to grasp the full meaning of Christmas, if you want to get why we celebrate it every single year, then you need to understand this word. And I realize it's a big word redemption. What does it mean? Because if you don't understand and get what this word means, you won't understand the true meaning of Christmas. And redemption is the act of providing a payment to free someone. Providing a payment to free someone. And let me try to explain that using God's story as we find it in his word. Now, this is a condensed version. I know that. But you see, a millennium and a half before the first Christmas, 1,500 years before Zechariah wrote and performed this song, God's people were trapped. And they were enslaved in a place called Egypt by Pharaoh. And they desperately wanted to be free. And so they cried out to God over and over again. And God heard them. And God answered their cry. And Pharaoh and the Egyptians tried to resist. But after being on the receiving end of a series of pretty nasty and disturbing plagues, they eventually gave in and the people of God found their freedom. Now, there were 10 plagues, and the last one was the worst one. It was the plague of death. And God, via a man called Moses, 
had warned everybody that the oldest boy in each family in the land at that time was going to die on a particular night. Devastating news to hear. But God provided a way out through the death of a lamb. And what God said was, you see, if a lamb is killed and it's blood, and I mean, this is, this is a bit grotesque, but if it's blood is painted on the frame of the entrance door, then no one in that house will die. Well, many people did that. They painted their door frames in blood. And they lived. But there were lots of people who didn't. And the oldest boy in those houses died. And Pharaoh and the Egyptians were devastated. And what they decided to do, they decided, look, we're going to let God's people go. They were free. And as a result of them being free, it says God had redeemed his people. In extreme ways, but God had set them free. He had provided a payment to set them free. Now, in a sense, that's maybe a good and interesting historical story. But what's it got to do with Zechariah 1,500 years later? What's it got to do with us this morning, 11th of December 2016, sitting in Fane Street Primary School? Well, it's got everything to do with us. It had everything to do with Zechariah. Because you see, as he sings on that first Christmas, what he is singing about is God is redeeming his people again. Not from enslavement to some Egyptian king or ruler, but from enslavement to the thing that traps every single one of us. And that thing is sin. And I know sin is not a very popular idea, not even a popular word, but it's a word that explains what we see in us and what we see around us. According to the Bible, according to God's word, which I choose to believe, and we're back to what I said earlier, do you believe what God has said to us this morning? In his word, what has he said about sin? Well, what he has said about sin is that every single person is born infected with this disease. And it means we fall short of God's glory. It means we keep messing up. It's a huge human problem. It means brokenness. It means conflict. It causes me to live for myself and just ignore everybody else, to be selfish. It wrecks relationships, creates division, causes me to tell lies, causes me to envy, causes me to cheat. The negative list is endless, but probably by far the most serious aspect of sin is this. It separates us from God. It separates us from the relationship we were created to enjoy. We're slaves to sin, the Bible says, and therefore our greatest need as human beings is for freedom, for forgiveness, to be redeemed. But someone's going to have to pay for this. Someone's going to have to pay for it. 
Someone's going to have to bear the cost of our redemption. Someone's going to have to come and set us free, and that someone was God himself. That someone was Jesus. That someone was Emmanuel. God's now with us and has redeemed us. And that brings us back to Zechariah's song. Because that's what he's singing about. That's why this elderly man breaks into song. God has come. God has redeemed. God has paid the price for our freedom. He's borne the cost. Zechariah's son, John, is going to go. He's going to grow up. And he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus who will save his people from their sins. And you know, there was a day whenever Jesus came walking towards John. And John looked at him and said this. Here's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. And that's why we sing at Christmas. That's why we will sing next week at our carol services. And I invite everyone to join us at four o'clock or seven o'clock. That is why we sing. Because God has come. And God has redeemed. And if you're here this morning and you didn't know that, or you haven't experienced that, you haven't realized that is what Christmas is actually all about. But that's why Jesus was born in some outhouse in Bethlehem. Then please know that this year. And for those of us who do realize the true meaning of Christmas, who have experienced freedom and forgiveness, let's join Zechariah's song. Let's sing our hearts out. Let's sing praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to us and he's redeemed us. That's just the first line of the song. Let me encourage you to go home, take some time this week over Christmas to read the rest of the lyrics that we read earlier. Add this song to your Christmas playlist. And next Sunday, we'll look at another song from our playlist. But right now, we're going to stand and we are going to sing a song that kind of captures both of these ideas that God has come and that God has redeemed. And it's a song maybe familiar to most of us, but not everybody. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. In other words, God, you came. And then there is that line, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the cross. And this whole idea of God has redeemed us in Jesus. So let's stand together and sing this song as we close. The light of the world. <laughs>